0: This is the EWN Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Prime Spark, the podcast that brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate and empower women over 55. The second women's revolution is here and it is time for us to fuel a spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path and reflect your gifts in the world. Now, here is your host for Prime Spark, Sarah Hart.
2: Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so glad you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 65 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission. And what that means is we all need to be involved and we need to get started now. And today I have the great pleasure of talking with Susan Rubel, a woman whom and whose work I greatly admire. Susan Rupel, PhD, left the information technology industry after 30 years to launch two of her own businesses. As founder and owner of WinTuition, Susan has provided over 8,000 hours of intuitive business strategy to align and activate women entrepreneurs to realize their potential to make a bigger positive impact in the world through their business, or social mission. As founder and owner of Personality Dynamics, she teaches businesses and nonprofits the art and science of personality typology to enhance their understanding of themselves and others, communicate more effectively, create more rewarding relationships. Susan's current focus is as a mindful activist and strategic advisor to Chill Sacramento, an educational nonprofit dedicated to creating safe, healthy communities with a foundation of compassion, creating peace within us and peace between us. She blends 30 years in corporate America with 20 years as a professional intuitive and personality dynamics trainer to develop systems processes, and documentation that help the programs of Chill Sacramento, Compassionate Sacramento, and Compassionate Capital Region implement and sustain their programs for the health and well-being of her community. Welcome, Susan. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you, Sarah. I'm happy to be here. So I have heard you say refirement rather than retirement. What do you mean by that? Well, when you look at the definition of retirement
3: being the action or fact of leaving one's job and ceasing work, that is not where I'm at at all in my life. I want to create more in this world. I don't want to cease working. I would love my life. I'm shifting how I work and who I work for, and I feel like all the experience that you just talked about, Sarah, in, in, in introducing me is, has prepared me for this time in my life. Um, I In fact, I, I sent you a link to an article just recently that there was a study in the U.S. that found that, that age 60 to 70 years old is the most productive age in our life. And so I feel like I still have a lot uh, to give and to offer this world. And that's one of the reasons, Sarah, that I love that what you're doing uh, with Prime Spark to encourage people, uh, women in particular, in what I call our wisdom years. I don't like to think of it as our our elder years or our older years. I like to think of it as our our wisdom years because we've accumulated so much skills, talents, knowledge, wisdom. And let's let's put that to good works uh, in the world at this point in our life.
2: So that's why it's refirement, because I am fired up. I can hear it. I can hear it. It's wonderful. <laughs> I, you did send me that article. I love that article. And one of the things I thought when I was reading was, I'll bet you a lot of people would not believe the 60 to 70 being the most productive. Has that been your experience? Have you asked any, or talked to anybody about that? Do you, I mean, do you know how people react to that? Well, I just
3: ran across that article, so I haven't shared it with many people yet. But the thing, one of the things that that comes to mind is that when we're working, whether it's even whether it's our own business or we're working for someone else, there's a primary focus of what are the, whatever that business is, and there's usually things we enjoy about it and things not so much. But when we're in retirement, and when we're in the most productive and most wise period of our lives, we uh, often, or hopefully people will often, um, find something that they just love to do and they're good at, and then they're, they're gonna be more productive naturally and they're gonna enjoy it more and it'll be
2: more sustainable and more fulfilling. One of the things that happens when I think about this is I think about a lot of women that I know who are in over 55 and sometimes much over 55. Mm-hmm. And they, they are in their most productive years, even if not in what they originally were doing. And mm-hmm. so I, what I don't understand is why as a society we're holding on to how we see, quote, older women or wisdom in their wisdom years why are we holding on to that when that for a lot of us is not reality? I find that fascinating
3: well, part of it, and I've experienced this with some of my uh, my friends, my colleagues, and even some of my clients is especially when someone has worked in a particular job or a particular industry um, for most of their adult life they they don't realize they don't think they have transferable skills. I had a client that just said that to me recently. I've worked at the same place for 34 years. I'm retiring now. She said, I'm afraid of what, that I can't do anything else because I've been doing the same kind of work in the same industry for so many years. And so I think a lot of people fall into that. They don't realize that we have so many transferable skills
2: that that people often don't realize. That's interesting because one of the things I run into, and you probably do too, um, is talking to women who are now 50, 55, 60, and they have spent a lot of their adult life being a homemaker, mm-hmm. um, and they see at this point that they don't have any skills, and that is just so wrong. I mean, they, so many women have taken care of households, families, they've taken care of multiple calendars, they've taken care of multiple family events, they've been on boards, they've been on countless committees, and now they don't see they have any skills.
3: And that's really unfortunate because as you were enumerating those many things, those many skills that, that homemakers have to develop, either it comes naturally or they develop over time, they are excellent project managers for one thing. Which can is a skill set that can be applied to anything. Yes. And so it's it's unfortunate they don't always realize that they they have a lot of transferable skills as
2: well. Yes, they do. And um and and my experience with that is unfortunately they are gonna have to be the ones to realize it and step out and explain what they can do because um industry is not gonna know that on its own, in my in my experience. So, Susan, what are some of the things you're doing right now that are most meaningful for you?
3: Well, for one, uh, first and foremost, I'm one of the primary caretakers for my amazing military veteran mother who just turned 100 years old. Oh, good for her. So that's why that's first and foremost family. Um, I continue to cultivate friendships and spend time with friends who I enjoy and who we support each other. I think that's an important element of friendship. And then I'm also deeply involved, as you mentioned in my introduction, with a nonprofit that I'm very passionate about. And that role at that nonprofit allows me to bring forward uh, all my accumulated skills, talents, knowledge, and wisdom. So I love the, um, the purpose of the organization, and I love what I'm doing with the organization,
2: but my role is. For anyone who doesn't know, who's listening, can you explain a little bit about what your business, WinTuition, has done for so many years and so brilliantly? Sure.
3: Well, it's all about when we use our intuition in business, everybody wins. And that's where the name when tuition came from, because a lot of, and, and I work predominantly with women, don't realize they, they leave their intuition at home when they go to work, whether their work is at a company or their work is in their, their home and office space in their home. And so what I help women do is not only learn to incorporate their intuition as a valuable business skill and resource. I also use my intuition and my uh, business background to help women uh, because a lot of my clients are right brain, right brain, high creatives. And so they have great vision and know what they want to do and who they want to be, but they sometimes need help with the strategy and the prioritized action steps to help them get there. So I help
2: women. Uh, create and launch uh, their businesses. And I can say, Susan, that I worked with you a couple of times in that way. And that work is brilliant. You are a master at doing that. That's oh, thank great. you. Yeah. And
3: you're, you're one of the people that makes me feel so much fulfillment in that work, because here you are now with Prime Spark and doing the many things that you, that you were looking at uh, earlier on with your own pivot, and I'm just so excited about uh, Prime Spark,
2: Sarah. Oh, thank you, Susan. I am too. So you have made a major pivot. Um, can you describe how you got to that point and how you did it. Um, so because I think many, many women actually, when they get to their 50s and 60s, are ready to make a pivot, but it's scary.
3: Well, there were there was two aspects of it, and this applied to both my my pivots, both when I left the corporate world to start my own two businesses, and when I wrapped up those businesses to move on to the nonprofit world, or whether what I prefer to call it the for impact world, because um, nonprofit is a is an irs designation but it doesn't really to me express the importance work of what uh for impact organizations do but part of it was i felt called i felt guided that it was time to make a bigger difference in the world in a different way and so that was one aspect of the of the two pivots the other is the other was just the practical standpoint of planning so for example a couple years before I left the corporate world I knew that it was time to 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 quit the corporate world and move on. And so one of the things I did that was super helpful is I wrote my resignation letter but I did about a year ahead but I I didn't turn it in yet. So as soon as I wrote my resignation letter knowing it would be another year or so until I left it completely changed the energy. And the other element that was so important to me, because I'd had million dollar a year budgets that I was responsible for in the corporate world, that didn't translate completely to starting and running your own business. So I hired an external CFO, chief Chief financial officer that helped me with my own
2: business financial strategies. So that was super helpful as well. I I have, now that you say that, I have read you talk, talking about that. You wrote about that, and I read it somewhere. And I think that's just a fantastic suggestion for women because so many women, when they're thinking of making a pivot, in addition to other things, one of the main things they're frightened about are, is financial.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that is something that you need to pay attention to. And um to make a make a plan so that it is not so scary. And you, you really did that. And I think that is to hear that is so helpful for women, because I don't know how many women and, and actually men and women that I've talked to who are just tired and they're they're done with what they've done and they just want to leave. And I think oh no, no, don't don't do that yet. Don't, Not don't, quite yet. Don't just quit. Don't don't do that. I I know how that feels. I've been there, but don't just quit. Well,
3: one of the other things that I've seen happen quite often with my clients is they've been afraid to look at the financial aspect. And once I actually create help help them create a spreadsheet that shows, you know, if you do this many of these things at this price then here's the revenue potential. And they usually are shocked and excited and pleased because they realize by actually, uh, as my CFO says, making friends with your numbers, um, they actually realize that they can make an excellent living doing what they love to do.
2: But you've got to see that. You've got to plan for that. Oh, definitely. So that's that's one important resource for women who are Mm -hmm. thinking about, figuring out what's next. what are what are some other resources that, that you think are important for women to fi- who can help them figure out what's next?
3: Well, and I do have, and I'll, I'll mention this at the end as well. Um, there is a page of my website where I have um, it's my social mission page that talks about not only what I'm doing now, but has a bunch of resources for people. Number one, because being a personality typology trainer, and I understand how important it is to have the right people in the right role. Um, I, I think it's, it's super important if you haven't already to use some kind of personality instrument so you can get a clear understanding of, of your likes, your dislikes, what you're grade, naturally great at, uh, things you don't care to do, and make sure that you, um, that you look for opportunities that speak to your skills and what you love to do. Because if you're doing what you love to do, it's going to work out better all the way around. It's going to be easier, more fun, more exciting, uh, healthier, among other things. Um, now, I use one, the personality instrument called the Personality Color Indicator. Um, that's at whatcolorisyourpersonality.com. But there's many of them out there. There's Myers-Briggs. there's DISC, there's the Enneagram. There's, there's dozens out there, but I, I just feel like that's a really important aspect of figuring out what's next is what are you best at? What do you love to do? Um, another thing is um, resource out there is to, there's organizations out there that will help you if you're looking to um, to do some work in the for impact world, again, normally called nonprofit. Um, there's organizations out there that can help match you based upon the type of organization. So is it about the homeless? Is it about the environment? Is it about you know, many, many uh, choices out there? And then what, what kind of role do you wanna have within that organization? So for example, in the, Calif- in the Sacramento uh, area, we have um, teamgiving.org, and um, they will match people with organizations that are looking for volunteers, for example. There's also a national organization called Taproot Foundation. That's T A P R O O T Foundation.org. And they do something very similar at the, at the national level, and they, they will pair uh, professionals with uh, organizations um, for impact organizations that need um, professional support in in many different areas. Um, So that's pro bono work. In other words, skilled professionals offering their time to to help for impact organizations. And you could find a role that's ongoing or often um, there's project work. So you could try out an organization, try it on, Um, by doing helping with a particular project and then seeing if you want to to continue with that organization or or check out something else so those are just a few of the um, the types of resources that are available for somebody that's trying to figure out what's
2: next that is a wonderful list Um, so if you're listening now then Rewind and make sure you get a note of all those lists because it's really good. I love your for impact. Um, I've always disliked things that in and of themselves are non. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, non-supervisors, I remember we used to call (laughs) employees non-supervisors. What are they? They're not non, you know, they're something else. So I love that for impact you got to keep using that and writing it right. and getting that word out. That is really wonderful. I love that. Yeah, thanks. So you've done so many things and made such impact for so many of us. When you think about it, what are three things that you're proudest of that you've done?
3: Well, one is that since I started in IT when I was 17, Um, So you can imagine that's a few years ago. Um, Information technology was, there were no women in it. It was a completely male-dominated industry. And for years, the first, gosh, almost 20 years, I was repeatedly told, oh, women aren't smart enough to be computer operators. Women aren't smart enough to be telecommunications managers, et cetera, et cetera. So being successful in a male-dominated industry is a big one for me. Um, Another one is leaving a very well-paid corporate career to launch my two businesses, again, with a lot of guidance and a lot of planning. And then um, the third one is more recently. So pivoting from running those two businesses to being a strategic advisor at a for impact organization. And so I'm currently very deeply involved in um, an organization called Compassionate Capital Region. And um, for me, that allows me to bring all that I love forward uh, for a very good cause and um, being that strategic advisor. And people often ask me, well, what's compassion about? What, What does that mean? And compassion, by definition, is when you feel motivated to relieve the suffering of others. And so sometimes that's as simple as smiling at somebody or opening a door for them it can be an encouraging word, or it can be engaged in, in programs or organizations or projects that help people or groups of people to pr- improve, for example, the equity and well-being of our community. And so that's, that's one of the things that, that I love about the foundation of the work I'm doing now. And interestingly, compassion is also not only good for our world, it's good for our physical and mental health. And there's studies out there that say that, that um, compassion, whether it's giving it, receiving it, or even observing it, interestingly, can actually speed the recovery of disease. Wow. It, it um, activates our, our pleasure centers of our brain. And so it can actually uh, reduce anxiety and a depression. It can lengthen our lifespan. And it can, it can make life more, more pleasurable. And so um, I'm very excited about the work that, um, that myself and other social activists are doing in the Sacramento region. And in fact, Sacramento is now a, uh, officially a compassionate city. And the state of California has recently unanimously passed Resolution 18 uh, by both the Senate and the Assembly, making California the first compassionate state in the United States.
2: Wow, I didn't know that. That's wonderful.
3: And so we are building compassion in our city and in our state uh, in three main ways. Uh, personal accountability for the current social conditions, um, supporting um, people, individuals, and organizations to raise their voices in the community to influence positive policy change, and to have bring uh, those people, those influencers, uh, together with elected officials to help create that policy change.
2: That is such wonderful work. Oh, that's so wonderful. You know, it's interesting. I think as you talk about the um, effects of compassion, I think some of those same kinds of things have been found with gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and and I think those two are very connected, actually. Um, So that's really, I love when, for people who need, quote, proof of how important something is, then I love it when we have, quote, proof that that's something that is sort of squishy, um, really makes a big difference. So that's wonderful.
3: And people often ask me, what's the difference between empathy and compassion? And empathy is primarily um, feeling, um, feeling empathy for people, for other people and wanting to understand um, why people feel the way that they do. Whereas compassion takes that to the next level. And it's the desire to do something to help people or organizations or our cities or our communities um, to be helpful and to take action in, in positive change in the world.
2: Yes, I, I love that the coupling of, um a feeling certain way, and then taking action mm-hmm. to make a difference. That's, I love that. And part
3: of that is we need to be good listeners to hear each other's stories and to understand each other's experiences so that then um, then we can take that to heart and feel more connection with people, because that's what a a lot of the compassion work is about, is connection. It's creating safe spaces for people to come together. It's supporting those grassroots leaders to strengthen their voices. It's, um, it's you know providing ways for people to come together and either learn how to, as the, the tagline says, peace within us, peace between us, is it's doing the inner work and having self-compassion and doing the inner work, as well as coming together in community with the outer work and in and creating community and, and more safe and equitable communities. And so um, some of the examples of that, that the, our organization is doing is we have a Peace Pole Gardens project where we help uh, organizations or companies create their own Peace Pole. So define their definition of peace or Compassion and Action Art Day for youth. So there's a lot of ways that, um, that people can come together. Uh, compassionately to make a
2: better world. Well, it is certainly something we um, need now in our country and in the world. So that's great. And building
3: a world that we want to live in requires us to be actively involved in creating
2: that world. So coming back for a minute, um, when you were describing how it was for you, when you first entered the, the work world and you were the only woman around, do you hear uh, women that you're working with now talk about what it's like for them as an older woman um, in our society and what what they're experiencing now? Do you hear anything like that from them? I do, because some of them are
3: looking for what's next because they've been, quote, downsized or whatever the current you know, politically correct terminology is for that. Um, some of them are leaving the the corporate world because they're being passed over now uh, for promotions and things of that nature. And and again, I find that to be so sad because you know uh, when we're in our wisdom years, we have so much to contribute. Um, but unfortunately, the the corporate world, I don't hear or see uh, that they value. Um, the wisdom years. But then I do believe that part of that is financial, where I've, I've seen time and time again, where the um, the employees in the wisdom years get the golden handshake, as they call it, they get the retirement package, so that the company can bring in um, young talent, and um, not have to pay them as much. So I mean, I know, that I understand the financial aspect as well. But to me it's um, sometimes sad that um, that they're either uh, retiring like voluntary involuntary retirement um, or or passing them up passing up um, wisdom ear people uh, for promotions or things that they could be doing additionally for the organization so it's kind of a pa- almost a passive aggressive way to to get those people out
2: I was in a discussion with a group this morning and um, <laughs> in a sort of twisted way, one woman was hoping that the labor shortage was going to change the tide for people in their wisdom years and employment because pe- their employee employers are going to want to reemploy because they're the only people that are available that they can find who have skills. And so um, we'll see.
3: One, okay. of the other, one of the other things that's a great, great resource is for a group of, of people and in my work world, uh, women to come together in a mastermind group so that they can come together on a regular basis, support each other with ideas and insightful connections and uh, insightful questions, because sometimes we have our own answers. We just don't realize it. So when you bring together a group of women, so, for example, a group of women that's trying to decide what's next in their life, and they can support each other around that, it's much, much more powerful than trying to, to go it alone.
2: Yes, um, I think that there's uh, something about um, being able to say out loud things that you may be thinking and then get support or mm-hmm. suggestions or whatever, Um I think that's a wonderful, I think it's a wonderful idea. I mean, one of the things we were talking about this morning was that um, growing awareness in and of itself is helpful. So to help people become aware of the impact of, I'm particularly interested in gendered ageism, but of ageism in our society. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you were saying this before, I think things start with one You know, it starts with me and my internal and how, what are my unconscious biases and that I'm not aware of that I need to get aware of and how is it affecting me and how I see myself um, in the world. Uh, So masterminding is a wonderful suggestion. Well, that's our time today. Um, Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much again to my guest, Susan Rubel. Thank you, Sarah.
3: And remember, there's resources for, for all of you at
2: wintuition.com on my social mission page. Wintuition.com. Right. Wintuition.com. Check Thanks. it out. It's a wonderful. Susan is doing wonderful work and has been for many years. Thank you, Sarah. So thank you for being with us. Join us again, please. And in the meantime, spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for joining us on Prime Spark. With each episode, Sarah Hart brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes about remarkable, experienced women, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. The second women's revolution is here, and we hope that you use the insights you've gained here to fuel the spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world.
0: Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. EWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.